Welcome to Power Surge. I'm Alex Epstein of the Center for Industrial Progress, coming to you from Orange County, California, joined by Stefan Hen from Germany. Stefan, welcome back. Hello. All right. Uh, we're going to do another lightning round today. Uh, before that, just remember or learn that you can get all the latest info on the book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, at the very easy to remember site, moralcaseforfossilfuels.com. So moralcaseforfossilfuels.com, check it out. You can get your own copy. You can get, you can make a bulk order. You can buy, even buy a book for a student. So let's do it. First story, the Energy East Pipeline in Canada, the proposed pipeline, uh, according to an alarming story in Grist, would be even bigger than Keystone XL. Is that supposed to be bad? Doesn't that mean it could transport more oil farther? That sounds like a very good thing. Stefan? Yeah, they are actually uh, listing all the projects that they of the environmentalists, for the most part, have successfully blocked in Canada, and uh, they hope to block this um, project again. And, yeah, I mean, if they were influential enough, at some point they might block all oil from going around the world, and that would be catastrophic. So, bad news if they have this kind of influence in Canada to actually stop the project. Definitely. All right, Gina McCarthy tells us, act on climate change or our children will get asthma. Stefan, you start. <laughs> yeah, uh, the EPA uh, chief officer, Gina McCarthy, uh, wrote an article and she, you know, did the typical connection between climate change and then uh, children's health in form of, you know, prolonged... Uh, growing season for plants, which increases asthma and so on, and warmer temperatures being worse for smog uh, uh, and this kind of stuff. And then there's this uh, sentiment that, you know, whenever you get climate change, or in this case global warming, I think she says, uh, everything gets worse. Like it never has any positive influence on anything. Like I mean, uh, a prolonged growing season would be something very good for most people, I would say. And uh, she just links it to, you know, some non-empirical study, I would say, <laughs> that claims that, you know, a lot of people will get asthma. And you can see something like, you know, increased asthma incidence rates in North America, and then you can just make the connection without any evidence, like correlation turns into um, causality. And that's very bad pseudoscience, and I think it's very bad of Gina McCarthy to make this kind of bogus connection on this very shaky scientific ground. We'll also check out Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, which you can get at the .com uh, with that prefix, uh, because it's explicitly talks about the pseudoscience behind uh, the asthma. Note that, yes, if you ever have a complex systematic phenomenon which somebody says is universally bad in every area of life, that is a mystical viewpoint that is impossible if it's a systematic complex thing it's going to have to have some amount of positive and some amount of negative impacts because there are billions and billions uh, of impacts so when something has the coherence 
of it, this this essentially has the coherence of if you hear climate change caused x it, it essentially amounts to the devil caused x it, it has to be a mystical phenomenon that's just universally bad uh, no matter what and what that usually means is that the person opposing it doesn't oppose the consequences they oppose the action itself as immoral and in this case it's impacting nature as immoral all right new york study to establish water quality baselines indicates only natural contamination yeah natural contamination is incredibly underrecognized water is often naturally contaminated and the primary relationship between energy and water is to clean it not to contaminate it. Stefan, and remember we're lightning, so can't go too much. Uh, yeah, uh, so this was a study to you know, establish a baseline of general water quality in southern New York State. And um, what they found, and I just read you a quote, when examining possible environmental drivers of the methane patterns, methane was not significantly correlated to proximity to gas wells. So what this means is that you generally find methane in groundwater aquifers, and that's a natural uh, phenomenon in that area. It's not connected to increased, you know, natural gas mine. And uh, that's something to keep in mind every time you see a news story that says, you know, methane found in groundwater uh, near to some natural gas well or something. I mean. It's perfectly normal to have some methane in a freshwater deposit. I'm Got it. All right. The Bureau of Ocean Energy Management um, is leasing more area to for oil and gas production. And Neil Young, um, who's particularly known for going up to Canada and opposing things, is unhappy and uh, my view on that is is all things being equal and new production is definitely a good thing and you know were I not to be able to make it to any given voting booth I would simply tell someone to do the opposite of what Neil Young advocates and I think that would be a pretty good act of civic responsibility at the ballot box. Stefan? Yeah I I agree that generally that's a good sign. The only thing that bothers me is that the government can uh, like dish out these leases for Gulf of Mexico drilling at any time or not if it chooses to. So uh, that's just, you know, if you want to increase your ratings on the economic scale as a president, you might just, you know, put out more leases. And uh, if you want to have more street credibility with your environmentalist friends, then you just, you know, withhold leases from the industry and the question is why does the government not just you know lease out all of these areas in the Gulf of Mexico because yeah. it's apparently safe enough yeah great point all right the government accountability office says that the government needs to implement a research and monitoring plan on ocean acidification uh, number one thing I'll say here is we have a great link which we'll share with you, which I thought was an excellent article on um, so-called ocean acidification, which I think is better described as, um, you know, pH impact uh, on ocean. I, I've talked about in my debate with McKibben about the misuse of acidification, given that it's not uh, anywhere near acid. Um, 
And the other thing is just things change in the world. I mean, leaving aside the pseudoscience of claiming that you know what the whole ocean is doing, nature changes all the time and different things adapt. And so, yes, by adding some amount of CO2 um, to the ocean, to the extent that happens, things change. That doesn't mean that it'll be better or worse. Uh, for any given species, but for sure we know that it will not change the general dynamic of a of an ocean that's full of life, because historically the ocean has had, uh, we've had many, many multiples of the CO2 we have today, and we still have the thriving ocean we do today. So this idea of, oh, we're ruining the ocean forever, that is, again, this climate change is the devil mentality versus an actual scientific examination of um, what's happening. Stefan? Yeah, I think that uh, ocean pH issue is uh, similar to so many issues where there are just claims that human humans impact some system in some way, and that's always bad, and we already know that it's catastrophe. And uh, it's interesting to know that most of the things happening in the oceans uh, on a on a chemical point, we don't actually know. Like, there's an estimate of something like 70% of the world's volcanoes are on the seafloor, and they constantly add some chemicals into the water. So we don't know what impact that has, and how much of the CO2 that gets into the oceans is actually deposited, you know, on the seafloor with some chemical bonds and so on. And that's all of that is unknown, and we couldn't observe ocean acidity or, or pH level, it's better to say, like for decades before we ever bothered about that value. And it's, it's dishonest to say uh, something like, we know that uh, we increase the pH level or we decrease the pH level by this and that amount. We don't actually know, but we speculate about that. And the CO2 levels in the past on this planet when life was already in the oceans was much higher over the last hundreds of millions of years, and they didn't seem to impact ocean life in a totally detrimental way. So there's a lot of speculation, little knowledge, and um, yeah, it's a hyped issue in my view. Okay, last story. U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission report declares Yucca Mountain Waste Depository meets the standards. Let me just say that this whole, whole fiasco of treating nuclear, including nuclear materials, as uniquely dangerous and thus holding up any kind of progress in any part of the process, including you know, dealing with any kind of residue or waste, is just so technologically backwards. And we talked about fusion yesterday. And if this is the mentality that we bring to fusion, assuming there was some practical development, now that's what's going to hold it back. So we need a truly scientific government that passes laws based on genuine uh, evidence of risk or not, not based on this uh, mystical or um, you know, primitive religious perspective that the new is scary. Stefan? Yeah, I think this is an example of uh, just government bureaucracy and politics, uh, you know, playing a totally useless game here. I mean, 
that's volume three of, I think, a five-volume report. And volume four and five will be released in the future someday. <laughs> and, and then politicians will, you know, interpret it in a different way. And the real issue here is, like, do you think that we need to make a plan to store some nuclear waste for a million years? You know, the issue is now, uh, when do we have nuclear reactors online that can actually use this as fuel? This what is waste right now because we can't make good economic use of it. Uh, in the future, will be some source of energy because it's radioactive, it's fissile material, and that's really good. It's a future, like it's it's everything that people say about household re recycling, just that it's true. Like it's a useful <laughs> resource, you know. And we just need to need to encourage engineers and business to find a way to make good use of this. And this is not at all dangerous. I mean, we have been storing, even in Germany, we have been temporarily, quote-unquote, storing nuclear waste for decades without any issues. Nobody dies. Nobody gets hurt. You know, it's, it's safely stored on site or in some uh, temporary deposit, and nothing happens. It's, it's not... A real threat to humans. So this is a complete non-issue, and they are spending millions and millions of dollars every year to investigate how to store this, you know, for a million years. That's absolutely crazy. All right. Well, I'm not going to beat that line about household recycling. So, Stefan, thanks for coming on. Thank you. All um, right. Again, moral case for fossilfuels.com, and we'll talk to everyone soon.